0: This is Simply Real Estate with Todd C. Slater on News Talk 1010.
1: Good afternoon and welcome to the show. What a week in real estate. Numbers being released, inventory rock bottom, house prices climbing up. Where is it going to end? I don't know. You know, it's interesting because so many people keep coming to the plates screaming bubble. And uh, you know what? This week's guests, just so you know, I think are going to pretty much show that it's not a bubble, but more it is a supply issue. And as you know, when you tune into Simply Real Estate here every single week, I have this conversation with you, because in my opinion, supply is getting less and less, and so for the people that have to buy or want to buy, you know what, it just means that prices are going up, and it's just making it a little bit more difficult. You know, facts and figures, out in February, when we take a look at the numbers, you know, a lot of people in the 905, we're hearing $200,000 increases year over year. That's some pretty serious numbers. You know, 20-30% increases year over year for the month of February. And again, Then, where is it going to stop? Well, sooner or later, it's going to run out of steam. But depending on what happens with interest rates, but this is the thing that I have to say is that this week, Canadian dollar goes down. You know, oil's going to drop down a little, oversupply out of the US, things that keep affecting the Canadian economy. Um, You know, Bank of Canada does realize no knee jerk reaction for interest rates. So, chances are it's going to stay put. And this is one of those things that I think people have to be aware of. You know, is that the fact is if interest rates stay put, it's going to continue to fuel the buying. And, uh, you know, this is this is the thing. We've seen some really strong numbers. The outer markets continue to do well. In fact, talking with a few people here at the studio, listening to multiple offers in the Ajax market. You know, yes, properties are still, they're, they're still doing the same thing. You know, list it low, sell it high. But when you hear multiple, multiple offers in Ajax, Ajax, Whitby, Pickering, Oshawa, all those marketplaces, you know, they continue to drive. And uh, and yet there is affordability. If you go dollar for dollar against some of the centralized markets, yeah, there is still some affordability. And um, I just wanted to throw out the uh, thank you for Everyone who responded to our email uh, for our release on Friday afternoon, it uh, completely sold out. You know what? In fact, three hours. Uh, the London release, which was one and two bedrooms sold out. And we'll be having a new one coming up soon, folks. So, you know, don't get disheartened. We will have more. And uh, our seminar in April is completely booked. In fact, we're overbooked. So, unfortunately, you will have to go to the simpleinvestor.com and register for May. And that is filling up really quickly as well. So, if you want to join us for one of our simple seminars talking about investment real estate, what it is like to be a landlord, go to the simpleinvestor.com and you can find out more. So, um, you know what? Some, uh, some great people uh, that we've got on this week. And uh, joining me from the, uh, from the town of Tilsonburg will be Mayor Stephen Mulner. And then a little bit, uh, in a little while, I've got Mike chester joining me, and he is Executive Vice President of CBRE. And you know what? Um, Coming up, I've got, uh, in a a minute, is Rocco Galati. We are going to be talking about the BC government implementing the foreign buyer tax and how somebody wanted to have him fight them. So joining me now is Rocco Galati, and he is a constitutional lawyer. And, uh, you know, it's interesting because having a guest uh, like Mr. Gladi on uh, today is, uh, to me, very, very exciting because we're going to talk about foreign buyer tax and what is actually happening in Canada. So, Mr. Gladi, thank you so much for joining us today.
2: Thank you for having me, Todd.
1: Um, you know, you um, you were actually uh, at one point taking a look at taking on the B.C. government um, in court for the foreign buyer tax that they implemented last August.
2: Yeah, that's Correct. I was asked for my opinion and I gave it.
1: And can you, can you share a little bit of, you know, what your perception is or what you
2: believe, why you would be able to go after the government on this? Well, it's a, it's not a belief. It's, a, it's, it's a very clear that the tax would not uh, comply with section 15 of the charter because it's discriminatory. The impact of the tax mainly falls on not just foreign buyers, but Chinese buyers. And that's, the reason for that is You can't impose that tax on any American under the NAFTA accord. You can't impose that tax on any European under the CETA accord that's coming in. And so essentially it's geared at the misperceived problem of Chinese buyers. That's the first problem. A more fundamental problem with the province imposing a land transfer tax with a differential based on the characteristics of the buyer or the vendor of the property is it's not direct taxation. The province can only directly tax. That's sales tax, land tax, land transfer tax. But once you say, look, this tax doesn't apply uniformly to the land itself, but changes depending on the characteristics of the buyer, then you're into what we call as tax lawyers indirect taxation and only the federal government government under our constitution has the jurisdiction to impose indirect taxes
1: Wow. You know, it was interesting because when it was implemented, it seemed like it was a knee-jerk reaction out in B.C. where it was there was very little notice. I, um, I had a few uh, people from the B.C. government on with us uh, back at, in, in August and September to discuss it. And, you know, one of the things that um, that I thought was unfair was the fact that they didn't put a grandfather clause into the fact that if you'd already com- had a sale that it was firm and binding, um, that, you know, for the people that had sold their property. If it hadn't closed immediately, basically they were stuck. People were bailing out of deals all over. And so a lot of Canadians actually got adversely affected because these foreign buyers walked away from them.
2: That's right. I mean, uh, quite apart from the legal problems in the jurisdiction of the province to do this, and the offensive constitutional aspects, it's silly on a practical level, and it's really a political measure because, on a practical level, there's ways of getting around the tax. So you have a friend who is a citizen or a resident buy the house, the property for you, and hold it in trust for you, and so on. So, and second of all. Uh, it's just not fair a uh, it doesn't it's not focused enough in the sense that a lot of the so-called foreign buyers were people who have obtained permanent resident status they're on their way to immigrate to canada and they want to have a place to go to before they get here what's wrong with that why should they be penalized for having been accepted to immigrate to canada or students who are here a long time and they have the means to buy a property rather than to rent why should they be uh, uh you know prejudiced in that way and have to pay an extra 15% and this reminds me i know it's going to sound silly but this reminds me of gonorrhea You know, when gonorrhea came to to light in Europe, the English called it the French disease, the French called it the English disease, the Italians called it the Dutch disease, and the Dutch called it the Italian disease. We're talking about the real estate market, not whether a Chinese person, a black person, an Italian person, or any other nationality buys that real estate. If we want to fix the problems of unavailability of affordable housing, which is a pressing need in Canada, then let's do that. Now, one of the things the province can do, Todd, and it was done in PEI years ago, and it was upheld constitutionally, they can simply ban all foreign ownership. There would be nothing wrong with that. Right. Nothing legally offensive. But you know that what that would do to a construction industry? That would kill us economically.
1: Yeah, and you know, I always um, one of my suggestions to to solve this problem is I I I am you know wholeheartedly in agreement of foreign ownership and foreign foreign buyers because eventually you know sometimes some of them do immigrate to Canada, and but more importantly is it's not that you get the tax on the way in you get the tax on the way out and so if any of these people actually part with the asset, and and it is a you know proven foreign ownership well then just tax them even heavier. Now I know we already have some that are a little bit you know, heavy handed, but the truth is, is that I think that they have the ability of even taxing a little bit more. So this would dissuade
2: people from unloading the actual asset. Well, they can do that on the income tax side. That's right. And the Feds do do that in other contexts. If you're a foreign national, in certain, uh, in certain areas, you pay more tax than a Canadian resident. That's fine, but that's income tax. That's indirect income tax that the federal government can impose. But then, you know what? That money goes into the federal coffers and not the provincial, and there's a whole new political dynamic there.
1: Sure, and it, but if they target it as a capital gains tax, right. as opposed, that would be a much better way so individual provinces would be able to maintain it. So
2: You're, you're quite correct there, yeah? yeah. They'd get their cut, yeah.
1: Excellent. Um, so what do you think? Toronto, is it is it a possibility? Are we
2: going to see Ontario perhaps take a look at this? I hope they're not stupid enough to, to do that. I think here, uh, quite apart from any challenges that would be coming down the pike, it it would have a serious dent into your construction industry, and the construction industry, you know, is thirty percent of our economy. Excellent.
1: Yeah, I, I, I agree, and, and and you know, I, again, I I still keep falling back on the fact that I don't believe that uh, the Ontario
2: market is being you know fed the same percentage that uh, that they were but out no, in BC. I I haven't seen any evidence, Todd, of four of the ten eight to ten percent foreign owners actually having the massive impact on the market the 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 impact on the market is is based on the fact that we are a global economy and second of all toronto is the fourth largest gta in north america after mexico city new york la and vancouver is not uh, far behind these are market forces let's be honest Uh, a person making fifteen dollars an hour is not going to afford a house whether it's eight hundred thousand or two million that is an issue of affordable housing which is way beyond what this measure tries it, it, it pretends to fix.
1: Right? Well, listen, I, I I agree with everything you're saying, and um, you know what? I hope that uh, if if the if the Ontario government you know steps in it and decides to put something into place, that uh, everybody gets together and have you know brings you in to fight the the good fight, because I really hope that they're not, as you said, stupid enough to put this into place. So yeah, we'll, we'll see. Excellent. Well, Mr. Galati, thank you so much for joining us this t- uh, today here at Simply Real Estate, and it's great having a chat with you. Thank you. When we come back, we're going to be joined by Mike chester and he is Executive Vice President from CBRE. So stay with us. We'll be right back after this.
0: Now, more of Simply Real Estate with Todd C. Slater on News Talk 1010.
1: And welcome back. So as I had alluded to just before the break... special guest joining me in studio today and um you know one of the things that we have to be aware of here in the big, bad world of real estate is not just, you know, your next door neighbor throwing up a house for sale and it going for way over asking or, you know, bidding wars, bully bids, everything that's out there. But let's talk about inventory and how does inventory get created? So instead of being always babbling on about some of this stuff, you know what, I'd rather bring in the industry experts. And joining me today is Executive Vice President of CBRE, and it is Mike chester Hosky. And uh, Mike, thanks so much for joining us today.
3: Thank you for having me.
1: You know, um, just so I I don't know if everybody knows, but CBRE is considered the world's largest commercial real estate firm.
3: Yes. And so you've got uh, you've got offices everywhere, big big firm, isn't it? We're sixty thousand employees in excess of sixty countries.
1: Wow, that's really impressive. Um, you know, commercial real estate—it's one of those things that you know a lot of people in—and in, I think there's such a, a misperception in the marketplace about development and commercial real estate that people don't really understand the, the entire process. And now, um, you know, if you can let our uh, listeners know. Can you tell us a little bit about your your history in real estate?
3: Sure. I've been in the business now 30 years, Um, last 23 with CB. I run what we call as land services group. Our specialty is selling development land, whether it be for retail, office, residential, throughout the GTA in Southern Ontario, representing the landowners selling to the development community.
1: Okay. So, you know, for most people that are just tuning in, you're probably they're all probably sitting there saying, Oh, well that's a cakewalk because, you know, everybody wants to buy land right now. And you know, we've been talking, you know, for, for several shows we've been talking that there seems to be a shortage. Um, you know, we've had a lot of other professionals on saying that, you know, there's a lot of problems out there being able to develop land. You know, we've got green space in the way. Um you know you uh, you and i were just talking off air for for a couple minutes and you know we were talking about the fact that you know is this a bubble and you know you you, you great, gave us a great analogy and maybe you can, maybe you can you know share that with our listeners uh,
3: bubbles a bad word you know we, we you know people have been saying bubble for the last 15 years Sooner or later, things are going to slow down, but I don't, I don't see a problem with oversupply and in inventory. If people really delve into the numbers, both on the low rise and the high rise, they can see there's a severe shortage of product on both high rise and low rise. And until you really delve into those numbers, you don't see it. Last month, numbers were released. We were down to about 1,400 lots in the single-family homes throughout the GTA. That's about a two- to three-week inventory. So today, if we stop servicing lots, we'd be at... In two weeks.
1: Wow, yeah. In the inventory, and and just so most people know, when when you have what we would call a balanced market, so in other words, not necessarily a seller's market, but a balanced market, we used to look in in the residential side of things that, that having anywhere from sixty to a hundred twenty days of inventory, we felt more balanced. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, residentially, um, we're short of thirty. In your in your situation, again, talking about developable land or lots, being Two weeks. That's you know.
3: That's nothing. You, you have no inventory. That's a good weekend.
1: Yeah, and you have no inventory.
3: No, no, uh, and people say, well, that's single-family homes. What about condos? But condos, we're down to thirteen thousand units, of which seven thousand are pre-sold, one thousand less than a thousand, right? Eight hundred sitting in standard in sitting inventory, and eight thousand are under construction but not sold yet. That that's four or five months' inventory. That's nothing. Wow. So a couple of things,
1: um, you know, as I was alluding to your analogy, um, you'd given me, uh, you know, your phone's still ringing. What happens when your phone doesn't?
3: I go to the cottage early. <laughs> the uh, Land is the first thing to slow down. So I judge by my partners and uh, the inventory that we have, the land we put out. The amount of activity on it and there's tremendous activity the first thing the development community does is stop buying land if they think things are going to get worse if prices are going to go down you naturally will not buy land because there's no money to hold it it's costly to hold and costly to process so our team is a canary in the coal mine (laughs) it is definitely you know the first person they stop calling is me
1: yeah and that's that's incredible. And I think you're, you're probably at a position right now where there's so much demand and yet so little inventory that, you know, as soon as you get something, basically people take it take yes. off their hands.
3: Yeah, there's tremendous activity throughout the board on all types of land, not only one particular. Definitely residential is at the forefront today, both high-rise and low-rise in terms of activity. But what surprises me is not only the activity and the prices that we're achieving within the city of Toronto – But how far afield are development communities going to build for people that are commuting into Toronto?
1: Yeah, and you know that's something definitely that uh, that you and I can uh, talk further about, Uh, folks. If you're just joining us, um, my guest this hour is Mike Chesterhoski. He is executive vice president at CBRE, uh, the world's largest commercial real estate firm. And uh, you know we're talking about uh, the developable uh, area uh, around the GTA and actually what we're looking at as far as inventory. Mike, you know one of the things you and I talked also about is the fact that when when we start talking about inventory shortage, you know if If you were to kind of throw out the projection over the next couple of years, you know, we're you know a lot of people are seeing, of course, the towers going up, and you know you can't go around Toronto without seeing a new new building being built, but it's still not enough, is it?
3: No, no. I believe that you'll see that as we track numbers very carefully, we look at not only inventory levels of stuff that's going up today or pre-construction, but buildings that are under construction and Inventory that's up and standing, so that's existing units that you can move into tomorrow. Right. There's a shortage. We're down to 13,000 units across the board, 800 in standing inventory. But if you look at the projections of units that are going to be delivered, 2018, 19, and 20, which we know now because a building is three four years for construction. Sure. You look at 2019. We only have about five six thousand units that are going to be delivered into the market at that time. It's about a third. Of typical between 15 and 20 that we normally deliver into our market to satisfy. Wow, and so this is this is you know one of the things. And um, now I do
1: know that you have an economist background. Is that correct? Yes. Okay. So um, when uh, we're going to go to a quick break, I'd like you to stay put. Um, when we come back, I want to talk more to you about A, the numbers. Also, let's talk about some of the outer markets and, you know, kind of the effect all of this is having out in the outer markets. And the fact is, you know, what are people doing with this land and what should they be doing? So, folks, uh, when we come back, I'm going to have more with Mike Chestahoski, and he is Executive Vice President of CBRE. We're talking about inventory, but not just the stuff that you see your next door neighbor selling it's more about the land that's being developed and this is so important because this is the future of our numbers so stay with
0: us when we come back we've got more you're listening to simply real estate with todd c slater on news talk 1010 simply real estate with Todd C Slater on News Talk 1010
1: and welcome back if you're just tuning in my guest this hour is mr Mike Chestohosky and he is the executive vice president from CBRE folks we're talking about land developable land what is happening in the market and Mike just before the break you know you had alluded to um, you know there's a real inventory shortage and you know as 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 a, a past uh, you know educated economist you know um, a lot of times when I look at the news Newspapers and there's so many people they they scream bubble 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 and you know I try to defend the fact that I personally believe this is nothing but an inventory issue not a bubble. This is not like eighty-eight, eighty-nine, which you experienced, of course. You were yes. in real estate at the time. I was in real estate at the time. And when we take a look at the big picture of things, this is nothing like we've seen before. And, you know, I always equate it to a lot of people immigrating to Canada. First of all, in Toronto, we've got 100,000 people coming in every single year. Then we've got some of the other provinces that do have new immigrants and the new immigrants land in, let's say, B.C. or out in Nova Scotia or on the East Coast and then they end up coming coming into to Toronto or Ontario. So, you know, we've got this mass wave of people, and yet everybody's saying, you know, we're in a bubble, and I just sit there and say we, we, we're a world-class city, and so this is kind of a natural effect. What's
3: your take on it? Because you, you run the numbers. 25 years ago at CB, the president at that time, Blake Hutchison, said Toronto is slated by CB as one of the world-class cities. They picked 25 cities across the world. Toronto was one of them. We all kind of sat around, we looked at each other and said, I hope. And by far, he was right. Yep. And CB was right. The growth here is exponential. There's inventory shortages across the board. And the difficulty in taking stuff through the development process, the cost of construction, the timing of the construction, the difficulty with getting infrastructure into the single family uh, home areas, and the cost of that infrastructure is 10 times what it was 20 years ago does nothing but hurt our inventory and then there's the green belt on top of it which is taking a a huge swath of land outside the gta and saying that we can't develop that the difficulty for development continues to get worse and more costly and that puts in the natural constraint on supply Mm -hmm. and that's not changing it's getting worse for developers, not better.
1: You know, it's interesting because, you know, when, when you and I talk about, you know, more the commercial, industrial, um, you know, version of, of land, a lot of people aren't aware that... You know, not only do you have to focus on developing residential, but there's the commercial aspect of it to be able to maintain some of these residential areas and, of course, keep up with manufacturing, you know, warehousing and everything else. So it's not just about everybody looking at a farm and saying, hey, listen, you know what, we can put a thousand homes there. It's, hang on, there's more to it than that. And this is one of the things, of course, you've specialized in because it is really the overdeveloped areas that you have to say, okay, what do we need? Yes, we can have a thousand homes, but we also need, you know, a mall, uh, you know, the ability for people to be able to do schools and and allocating everything. It must, um, it must get a little bit difficult because Again, working in the outer markets, you know, we keep b- bursting at the seams. Mississauga is completely done. Conversely, yes. There's nothing, and anything happening in Mississauga is now infill, okay? So they they, they they hit the seams there. You know, we take a look at Oshawa, Ajax, you know, Pickering and all of those areas. They're, they're all pushing out. Brampton's pushed out, you know, Caledon. All the, all the outer markets, they continue to grow, but they only have so much growth left in them. How far are people going for you know, areas that are going to service the Toronto uh, employment area?
3: Half an hour past what you think is reasonable. (laughs) Okay. So, uh, you know, Barrie. Sure. uh, Kitchener-Waterloo. Guelph. uh, St. Catharines. Hamilton now is at the forefront. A lot of people are asking us about development opportunities. Hamilton, Georgetown, Waterdown. As transit goes to these areas, when the go went to Barrie, you could see a significant change in the developers and the way they're looking at it in terms of demand. Sure. So I think if there's transit to these areas, you're going to see people go there, live there. And not only because it's more affordable, some people just want to live in a smaller community. A bit more comfortable there.
1: You know that's an interesting point. We have uh, we have a segment here called uh, Minutes with the Mayors, and this is where I bring in mayors from all the different municipalities and and some of the outer markets even. You know, um, you know we've talked to Barry Caledon, you know we've talked to different people, and one of the things that we're starting to recognize is that some people are just leaving the GTA, but the pockets themselves continue to develop. So Ontario in 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 itself, you know, you and I can talk about Toronto all day long. That is just you know it's crazy for inventory, but we're finding all the outer markets are also feeling success. You know, there is, People are, are, are actually moving out to those smaller markets, as you mentioned. Um, you know, are, are you seeing this as a consistent growth as well over the next 10 years?
3: I believe so. I think with Metrolinks improving the corridors, I think we'll see these outer areas improve, not only because of affordability, but people like the lifestyle. Not everybody wants to live in the city. If you work in the 905, Commuting to areas like Guelph or Kitchener or Barrie mm-hmm. is not a bad commute, especially if there's a go train.
1: Sure. Yeah. Very, very interesting. Um, so when we uh, when we talk about process, there's a lot in, in process when, when people first look at a land. Can you kind of take us just through a couple like just superficial kind of steps? So somebody wants to, you know, let's say somebody owns a farm, okay, but, you know, their neighbors are all throwing up signs saying they're going to be redeveloped. Is this something somebody can do or do they how, – how do they get to the process to knowing if their, their actual land can be developed?
3: I think they have to call a professional. Mm-hmm. They can pick up the phone and call my team. Mm-hmm. Uh, they can hire a development lawyer, development planning lawyer. They can hire engineers, planners themselves. But if they're a person that isn't versed in the development process, the best thing is to do is pick up the phone, call our team. We'll help you out. We have planners on staff. We have professionals that will quickly look at the land and assess whether it has development potential. And if it does, we'll tell you what we believe is the best route. If we think that you should hire those professionals and go through that route, we'll tell you. But in all likelihood, you want to make sure you know what you have. So, um, Mike, how, how is it best that people reach you or your team? Uh, they can go to the CBRE website or they can call us directly our uh, general office number is 416-494-0600
1: right and they can ask for you
3: yes <laughs> i will i will return the calls myself
1: you see that's awesome I, I i like i like professionals you know even at your level that still return uh, you know the calls yourself that's that to me i think is so important that people know that they can actually talk to you
3: Every Saturday morning in the office cleaning up, anytime <laughs> they want.
1: You know what, I, I, I feel you and I are kindred spirits and it's pretty much the same thing. Um, you know, when we, when we take a look at it, um,
3: you know, if you were to give us kind of a snapshot the next five or 10 years, what can people expect? Continued growth and constraints on development. Know that if you're thinking about buying a home, you're thinking about buying a condo, be very assured that the market's going to continue to tighten. And it is going to continue to be more difficult for these developments to occur and more costly. Cement is not going down, steel is not going down, labor is not going down, and the route that the developers have to take through the processes and the policies are getting progressively more difficult. Yeah,
1: I was going to say, the government's not helping this 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 process. They seem to be making it a little bit stricter.
3: I'd rather not comment. <laughs> no, it is getting more difficult. <clears throat> sure. We're dealing with it from the very beginning to the end. Right. We see it getting more difficult and a lot more costly, and the time is... Triple, yeah, at least, yeah. what it used to be. Yeah, excellent. Well, listen, Mike, thanks so much for joining us today. It's been a real pleasure having you
1: on. And again, um, is there a website that our, our listeners can go
3: to? You can go on to the www.cbre.com and you'll find us. Or you can call me direct, 416-495-6257 is my direct line into the office. Excellent. Well, listen, thanks so much for joining us today and,
1: uh, you know, so for some great information and, uh, you know, kind of, kind of solidifying a little bit of the fact that, you know, the, the aspect of a bubble, uh, you know, we're really not looking down the throat of a bubble more than just an absolute shortage of supply.
3: So, yes. Yeah.
1: Excellent. Thanks so much, Mike. Thank you. And uh, so, folks, uh, that was Mike uh, chester And remember, you can go to CBRE's website if you want to find out more. Because some of you, some of our listeners, you know, in, our, in the outer markets, you may be sitting on a really, really good piece of property that you know has gone up in value. But maybe you don't know the process about how to either sell or find out if your land can be developed. Remember, always use a professional. It's one of the things that I've preached here for years and I will continue. Continue to preach, only go to the professionals, the full-time people that do this, not the person that has three other jobs, as well as being a realtor. Hey, listen, coming up uh, after the break, minutes with the mayor, and joining me this hour is going to be Stephen Molner, and he is mayor of Tilsonburg. Tilsonburg, you say? Where is that? Well, you'll find out after this, so stay with us.
0: We'll be right back. You're listening to Simply Real Estate with Todd C. Slater on News Talk 1010. Simply Real Estate with Todd C. Slater on News Talk 1010.
1: And welcome back. Uh, you know, it was great to have Mike Chestahosky in from uh, CBRE. And, uh, you know, one of the things that most people don't realize is the actual process and the time that it takes to develop land and in the outer markets of, of Toronto right now, you know, despite the fact that uh, you know you start seeing some signs popping up saying there's going to be more land developed, uh, one of the things happens is that it takes, you know, it can take anywhere from three to eight years to get everything done and service the land and, and actually make houses pop up. So it's not like it just started yesterday. And uh, so just a, a note for everybody. So according Uh, my favorite section of the week, Minutes with the Mayors. And you know what, this week, um, I actually have decided to push to one of the outer markets. And uh, we're going to feature the town of Tilsonburg. And one of the reasons why I want to talk about a town like Tilsonburg is it has so much to offer. And when we talk about outer markets, I think everybody has to know that the GTA is not the only place to live in Southern Ontario. In fact, if you want to get out of the rat race, you want to go to a place that, first of all, is you know very comfortable, um, very uh, you know nice, um, you know maybe not quite the same hectic pace, but yet, you know it's also not what you would deem as you know that old western town where there has they have no technology because that's far from it. And uh, joining me right now is the mayor of Tilsonburg, Mr. Stephen Mulner. And thank you, Mr. Mayor, for joining us today.
4: Well, good morning, Todd. It's a pleasure to be here.
1: Excellent. So, uh, Mr. Mayor, you know, um, I don't know if everybody, in fact, a lot of our listeners may not even know where Tilsonburg is. Of course, um, I have a, you know, great knowledge of it because, you know, I do own uh, real estate in the area. But, uh, Mr. Mayor, maybe you could talk to us a little bit about Tilsonburg, a location, but more importantly, let's talk about Tilsonburg itself.
4: Well, often recognized as the other GTA, the Greater Tilsonburg Area, uh, Tilsonburg's a uh, uh, fairly aggressive small urban municipality of just around 16,000 people, located in the heartland of southwestern Ontario, just south of the 401 between uh, London and uh, Toronto.
1: Excellent. So, Mr. Mayor, uh, you know, one of the things that I think that um, I'd like to share with our listeners is the fact that Tilson Berg can be captured in three words, connected, enriched and inspired. Um, You know, maybe you can shed a little bit of light on that for us.
4: Well, actually, um, relative to Connected, Enriched, Inspired, it is the call for our our more recent uh, uh, branding, uh, an actual provincially recognized award-winning branding uh, by the Economic Developers Council of Ontario recently in Toronto. And um, what I'm most proud of is the the story behind it really rose from... all the members of our community, our stakeholder groups uh, and engaged citizenry our business and and commercial uh and uh industrial partners uh this wasn 't from a top down uh, exercise; it was really driven by the the men and women and families of our community and by connected we we're, we're really speaking both of an emotional, physical, and personal statement where connected is. Uh, um, a strong sense of community value, where uh, community engagement is important, where ultimately you do know your neighbor because of the size of uh, of the area and the demographics, but also that we're are physically in, uh, connected through. Uh, through uh, broadband technology, through our airport and our uh, access to mass transit and other things. So uh, definitely Connected speaks on a, a number of different levels. And to expand the story a little further, we you know, Enriched is, a, is an aspect. I think it's a balanced life approach. You mentioned it earlier. We're a small urban environment where we really have all the resources, uh, a one-stop shopping and a quality downtown core of the, the widest uh, main street of any uh, municipality in the province of Ontario abundance of parks and green spaces and a a rejuvenated, integrated trail system. Uh, So where there's an opportunity, no matter what you enjoy in life, uh, to to realize it here uh, and then uh, just minutes away from the shores of Lake Erie. And ultimately, Inspired speaks to, I think, the expectation and the realization that Tilsonburg, uh, there's special places right across the province, but Tilsonburg, I think, um, is unique in the fact that we've grown... uh, uh, from a legacy of, of independence, of entrepreneurial spirit, of a, that made-in-Tilsonburg solution when there's issues and making them opportunities. And I think these are all collective uh, the, between the connect, the enriched, and inspired. They, they come together to form an expectation uh, what will drive us into the next generation on how to sustain a, a balanced uh, uh, community that uh, the members and the people who are investing here uh, on a regular basis are proud of.
1: Excellent. Um, so, folks, if you're just tuning in, uh, joining me this hour is the mayor of Tilsonburg, uh, Mr. Steve Mulner. And, um, uh, Mr. Mayor, you know, when when we talk about uh, communities, you know, a lot of times we, we will discuss the values of real estate. Of mm-hmm. course, Tilsonburg um, is starting to feel a little bit of growth. You've got development. You've got uh, new projects being built there, new homes. Um, and, and yet it still has an affordability to it in comparison comparison to let's say markets like the GTA. Um are you finding that you've got more developers taking a look at an area like Tilsonburg and wanting to, you know, bring again a little bit more of that suburban sprawl to you?
4: Yeah, I think and, and what I would comment about we're very proud of the developers uh, that have reached out and who buy into the philosophy of what Tilsonburg is. They're not just building homes here the, to to an entity the current developers in our community um, are buying into the community and first of all have identified what sells uh, what uh, what the demographic and and the you know the the concept of the housing market will provide and they're doing extremely well uh, new developments are coming online all the time we've got very positive and short-term turnover as far as our water and wastewater connections uh, the fee structures our building permit uh, the one-stop shop Shopping center, uh, as far as the the way we deal with developers in our community. But perhaps most important, I think, is what I was, was uh, intending to allude to, is the fact that uh, the developers to to a group have. Uh buy into the, 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 the concept of the town in that they're not coming here to overtake a community to build some bricks and mortars and leave. They've actually invested here in a number of other ways, and they're building a community, not just homes. And I think at the end of the day, that's uh, the quality and the, uh, the foundations that they've built. Are, are just uh, much more than just the physical structure. The, they're building a foundation that's really part of the, the history of our community.
1: Well, it's nice to hear um, that you say that, Mr. Mayor, because again, giving giving builders, you know, credit for actually understanding their community as opposed to just you know throwing up brick and mortar. Unfortunately, you know, so much of that is happening, obviously, in the GTA area, where it's just it's a race to finish a product, not necessarily taking into an account, let's say, a neighborhood or you know some of the areas. Some 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 builders are very good at it, but others, you know, it's just really about delivering a product to the market. But you know, one of the things that you know, I'm glad that you're able to recognize from your builders that when they come in, you know, they want to they want to keep it, I guess, current and 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 with the right growth idea to a marketplace. Um, you know, one of the things that we've experienced, obviously, uh, in Ontario itself, and I just thought I'd ask, uh, perhaps you can you can you know, uh, enlighten mm-hmm. us a little. Are you finding a lot of foreign buyers? or people that are coming in from out of country buying into the marketplace you know we've got a few communities and and cities that we've seen a lot of this in the last little while are you seeing any of that in the Tilsonburg market
4: I think on proportionately we're seeing more than we have certainly the immigrant population uh, there's a, a tendency and we deal with this on a, you know a economic development uh, regional basis is that the urban, there's an ur- tends to be an urbanization of, of the landing point as far As uh, new members to our our country, but uh, I think our younger demographics are skewed higher into uh, the younger families um, have been a higher percentage of uh, of new you know Canadian. Citizens or, or new people to the Canada, so we are seeing a, a trend upwards relative to that. And I think it's about uh, life choice. Uh, we, we're as a community, we're we're expending effort and, and planning um, as well on uh, encouraging a younger demographic, uh, the, the, the the entrepreneurial community, uh, and the way that we're pro- providing and facilitating networks in that area. We're finding. Um, new members to our community are coming from from a global uh, environment
1: well, that's, that's that's excellent to hear because a, a lot of times I think people's misperception of, I would say, smaller marketplaces is that you you can't facilitate the growth of, let's say, an international immigrant, you know, somebody, somebody that's coming perhaps uh, from anywhere actually in the world, not just internationally, and so that you can't accommodate it, you know, the needs are not met as far as, let's say, schooling, employment, you know, healthcare, but definitely Tilsonburg, as I have understood it, has, you know, all the potential for people to come from anywhere in the world?
4: I think that's the... I mean, I would suggest that the conduit tends to still be through the larger centers, but uh, actually uh, myself will be on a... uh, um, economic development mission to, to Asia and China in the next coming, well, within the, actually the next week. And, and part of that uh, opportunity is a one-on-one um, relationship in a number of uh, Asian cities where I'll be meeting with, along with others, uh, to promote direct foreign investment and, and actual incubators where the um, talent f- will be able to come and invest uh, in in southwestern Ontario and specifically in the corridor um, that we're we're physically situated.
1: Excellent. Well, Mr. Mayor, it's been a great pleasure having you on Simply Real Estate today, and I thank you for your time. And um, you know, just uh, you know, I'm 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 glad that you're able to talk about a, the wonderful town of Tilsonburg.
4: Well, we're always proud to to, to talk about our community um, and, and welcome all those to uh, have an opportunity to uh, spend an hour, a day, or even a lifetime here where we truly are connected and rich and inspired. And you can check us out at tilsenburg.ca, and we're here to welcome you at any time. So thanks very much, Todd, and we look forward to the next time. Uh, we were able to share with you.
1: That was a real pleasure to have the uh, Mayor of Tilsonburg on. Always nice to talk to the mayors and I always like to thank all of them for sharing, uh, you know, their their story of their municipality, town, city, and uh, it was great to have them on. I uh, also want to thank uh, my guests uh, this hour, uh, Rocco Galati, as well as having um, Mike Chestahosky on with me. All, all Always great to have these people join us here at Simply Real Estate. And of course, thank you for tuning in i want to thank my producer ian grant he always keeps it simple for me and i will be back next week at 3 p.m on saturday so remember have a great week and i'll talk to you then.